Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. just because of our podcast, tell you a little bit about who we are and what we do. Shekinah is a gathering of Christians committed, say committed, committed. to a lifestyle of displaying, say displaying, displaying. Okay, the manifest presence of God in both practical and spiritual ways. We advance his kingdom, say his kingdom, his kingdom. not mine, his kingdom, his all right, in our region, state, and nations. Our team reflects the five-fold ministry model of Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, 12. This is a rare and precious gathering intent on equipping believers. Turn your neighbor and say, that's you. <laughs> yes. Yes, come on. This is a rare and precious gathering intent on equipping believers to fulfill the call of God in their lives and sending them out with blessings and with power. Amen. Anybody want to be blessed? Amen. Anybody need a little bit more grace or power or walking with fullness? Yes, me too. Amen. We welcome, of course, as you saw during our worship time, the gifts to function in honor, order, and humble submission to God and to one another. And we do that because we know in part we prophesy, in part where there's love, there's liberty. That's why we love. So one of the questions Mark and Kim had for us the other day, they're like, how do we tell people what we do? I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, we spend like 45 minutes singing, <laughs> praying and decreeing. I said, honey, tell them it's 45-minute prayer meeting, and then we do a sermon afterwards. That's really what we're doing, right? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. When the church met back in Acts, that's what they did. They prayed and they worshiped, but we've gotten so used to our microwave five-minute, you know, three songs, church in a box model that we don't know how to persevere anymore. Do you remember the story in Acts where Paul preached and preached and preached so the guy fell out of the window? Paul did not stop the meeting. You know what he said? He said, go down and get him. We're going to raise him from the dead. But I still got a few more things I want to say. Okay, that's the church. That's the church that raises the dead. That's the church that casts out demons. That's the church that went to jail and sat in sewage and was able to sing praise songs, just like Patty was talking about, where the joy of the Lord was unstoppable, impenetrable. Where they changed entire cities, where 3,000 got saved in a single day. Come on. I'm just saying. All right. In the Hebrew, who knows how to go Shafar? Anybody know how to go Shafar in here? I need a couple people. Can I get a couple volunteers? We got, there's three up there. There's four total. I can have as many as four. Come on. Rosh Hashanah, come on. Let's start it with the blowing of the Shofars. You, can you blow, Patty? You can't, Lyra, can you? That's your normal one. That's fine. Grab one from underneath. We're going to start with the blowing of the Shofars. Why do we like to call it the Feast of the Trumpets? Because the trumpet represents the voice of God. And what really happens in this season at Rosh Hashanah or Shana Tava, Happy New Year, the New Year season, is that God releases his voice. And he listens and he watches all year long. And then he gets to the end of the year, this, the seventh month, the month of completion. He says, I have enough information to make a decision now. This is what I see and this is what's going to happen here. This is what I see and this is what's going to happen here. This is, these are the individuals I'm going to bless, and these are the ones I'm going to discipline. Okay? 
Okay, those outside the body of Christ, these are the ones I'm going to judge. Right? And really, it's his mercy. Amen? His judgment is mercy. But we want to hear the voice of the Lord so that when we start this next new year, our trajectory is set and we know which direction we're going and whose voice we're following and where it is he's taking us in this next year. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So let's release the sound of the shofars when you're ready. Okay. Into the 
tribulation theories on whether or not we'll be with the Lord for seven years during the tribulation in heaven, okay? The Feast of Weeks, that's a seven-day um, festival, if you will, or celebration, okay? And then the Lord returns again for the Jewish people. But the beauty of the biblical holidays, even in the Old Testament, is they all point to Jesus. So when we're celebrating these particular feasts and we're honoring them at, under the new covenant, we are pointing to Jesus every single time. So with Rosh Hashanah, okay, with the sounding of the shofars, we're saying the voice of the Lord is important and we want to hear the voice of the Lord at the beginning of every year so that we know where we're heading and what it is he's calling us to do. We want to understand the mysteries that he's hidden. So while we are no longer under the Old Testament of Moses, the Lord still operates on the Jewish calendar because we are grafted into our Jewish roots. Turn your name and say, you're grafted in. Grafted in. Guess what that means? That means we're not the original. They're not grafted into us. The Gentiles are grafted into the Jews. Okay? We've become a part of this culture that God chose to reveal his word, to reveal his truth, etc. It says in Romans 11, 13 through 17, I am talking to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry, Paul says, in hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as a first fruits is holy, and the whole batch is holy, the root is holy, and so are the branches. If some branches have been broken off, referring to the Jews, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in, turn your name and say, I've been grafted in. I've been grafted in. Yeah, among the others, and now sharing the nourishing sand from the olive root, do you not consider, do not consider yourself superior to those other branches? Okay? And that's why we honor Alan so much when he's here. And honor our Jewish brothers and our Jewish sisters when they're here, right? We don't consider ourselves superior to the Jewish people. We are called to love Israel. We are called to pray for Israel, for the peace of Israel, right? That's that's our job. They are the foundation from which Christ came, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah of the entire world. They paid a great price to be those people. They paid a great, great price. And when we take time to look at the calendar that the Lord set up through them, the language that he gave them and chose to write the scriptures through, we learn mysteries about who God is and secrets about his heart and secrets about his ways. And that's why we still look at the Jewish holidays, the Hebrew holidays and calendar, okay? Yes. Is that helpful? Yeah? Yes, ma'am. That's helpful. You're so confused. It's clear what it is. I'm not, though. All right. <laughs> All right. So I want to explain this to you. In the book of Acts, all Christians practiced the Jewish holidays and were unified. But under Constantine, historically, there came a shift in how they practiced, okay? So originally, all the apostles and all of the new Christians, the ones that were getting saved, they all practiced the holidays. They still went up to the temple, they still worshiped, they still did their, those practices. In the apostles, you're very familiar with the scripture, they did make an exception for some of the Gentiles coming in, right? What did they say? It's good for you to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, right? So they dumbed it down a little bit because the Gentiles were like, what, 660-some rules? I can't keep all this straight. They said, okay, here's some simple ones. Don't fornicate, 
or sin against your body, and don't eat food that's sacrificed to idols. It was like a, a merciful dumbing down of the law so that they could participate in a way that would still honor God, where they weren't keeping the law, right? So Constantine is without a doubt one of the most controversial figures in Christianity today. He's best known in church history as the Roman emperor who unified paganism and Christianity and opened the floodgates of spiritual compromise mm -hmm. in the Christian religions. So who was he? And what did he do that made him so controversial? To be a Christian in that time, you had Nero, Aurelius, Diocletian. They took entire, they took entire consecration to Jesus. There was room for nothing less, so they said. Yet this narrative that changed dramatically in the face of the single most negligible historical detail, the conversion of Constantine to Christianity when he had a dream. And in his dream, he was shown the symbol of the cross and was told this. In this sign, conquer. This marked the conversion of Constantine to Christianity and the divergence of a movement that had up to this point been completely unified in the way they worshipped. In an effort to unify Christianity and paganism, Constantine began to mingle the rites of the two religions. The Roman pantheon of gods was slowly assimilated into Christianity. Peter became a substitute for Jupiter, the king of gods. And the Roman counterpart, the Grecian Zeus, the worship of saints became a substitute for pagan polytheism, with each saint becoming a working model of one of the Grecian Roman pantheon gods. Pagan holidays were mingled in with Christian beliefs. Our current Christmas is actually a Baal holiday. It worships Baal. The Christmas tree is literally a symbol of Baal worship, which is wonderful. It's all about really killing your children. Baal Peor is called the god of the orifice, receiving pleasure through every orifice of holding the body. That's what the prostitutes did at the, at the shrines. Yeah, it makes it, when we learn that, it's like, ooh, I want to back up the truck on a Christmas party, right? But we, we're not taught these things because it's become tradition in America, okay? Constantine's aggressive move to mingle the two religions became one of the best marketing and PR campaigns in history. For the church, it was a day of reckoning. She had been battered and brutalized persistently persecuted for almost three centuries. And the most recent barrage had left her tired and worn down. Too many Constantine's compromises were welcomed and reprieved from the end of the relentless campaign of bloodshed against the Christian and the Christian leaders. And large numbers fell exhaustively into the arms of this new movement because they were simply tired. And if you look at what's going on in our nation, there's a relentless onslaught again against Christians. Yes. It's relentless. Against our morality, against our purity, against our love, against our unity, against our stance against racism, against our stance against abortion, against speaking in tongues even. And these were all just basic Christian theologies at the time. But the people were so worn out and so tired, they just said, we can't anymore. Nero was spearing people through, personal, all the way through their head, and would basically put them on a javelin, put them on the street side for people to see if they were Christians and wanted to bow down. 
burning for him. And they were just worn out. But in every generation, there are a few that reform. There's always a remnant. And I want to tell you something. This body, this body is a remnant. This body is a remnant that did not close its doors this year. This body is a remnant that did not force people to wear masks but love people. This body is a remnant that said, we will not be racist, but we also not abort our children. This body is a remnant that said, we will stay in relationship. We will speak the truth in love. This body is a remnant. Yes. Amen. You are. In every generation, there are a few that form a resistance to error, regardless of the cost to themselves. And it was at this point that the movement split apart. Okay? That's where you get Protestantism versus Catholicism. Okay? That's really what it is. The word and what is written and what, what scripture says is true versus tradition and what is palatable to the culture. Can anybody relate to what we're seeing going on in our nation right now? The Lord is trying to purify the corporate body again. He's trying to purify us again, and he's calling the remnant. Will you stand with me, or will you capitulate to culture again? He's begging us, stand with me. Stand with me. And we've said yes. We've said yes. And I just get this overwhelming hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can feel you talk about the joy of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord coming, Patty. When we were in throne room the last month and a half, I'm telling you what, one night I was on the floor. I could not move. That's never happened to me my entire life. Now, Laura and that was funny. But I was not playing. I literally, I couldn't sit in the chair. It felt like there was a thousand pounds on my shoulders. Then I'm laying on the floor. It hurt my back. It was so heavy. So I had to get up on one of the king's chairs and recline. And they were just rolling. But I was serious, and I knew what you said is true. There's a weight of the glory coming. The fear of the Lord is returning to us and to this yeah, nation, to this church. Yes, yes. Another throne room, I'm sitting there, and I think it was Brent Lear and I, maybe. And we were worshiping, and I had Adonis prophesying, and, and I think Laura may have even been here as well. And I um, looked down, and I had this open vision, quick flash vision of a solid gold seed, and it was about this big. Because you're talking. You're talking two, three feet. Good foot and a half wide. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew it was a glory seed. And I was like, Lord, I received it. Then that next week, I'm on the floor. I said, Lord, I didn't know it was going to look like this. But I think we're in a season, in this, in this Rosh Hashanah, in this year or decade, really, of pay, 8-0, okay? The decade of the mouth, where we have decreed and said things and decreed and prayed and decreed and prayed and decreed and prayed. And there are words lingering out there in the atmosphere that have fallen to the land, but they haven't been drank in by the land yet, because the land's still being healed. And we're about to see a shift. Come and on. it's going to feel like a sharp turn to some, because they haven't been pioneering, they haven't been clinging, they haven't been soaking in his presence, but it's not. It's been slow burn, slow boil. He's been warming that temperature up. He's been warming it up and warming it up. He's been calling us in. A little more and a little more and more. For those of us, like in this house, who said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, it's hard, but yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I don't understand, but yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I don't see it, but I'm still going to follow you, Lord. Yes, Lord, this doesn't make sense to my flesh, but I'm going to do what you said and do, Lord. Come on. I want you, I choose you. Great, great, great will be the reward, and you will be the ones that carry the glory. Just like Patty was saying, you're going to walk into a room, and people are going to be like, oh, 
So I'm going to tell you a quick story. I was up at the reservation. We're at a prophetic round table. And I don't know what the deal is, but the Mormons will follow me everywhere. Okay? Now, I think it has something to do with Shane. He was dedicated to Mormon Temple when he was young. We broke that up. We prayed about it. I think we've been doing the Daniel Fall prayers, dealing with witchcraft hardcore. Like, I'm not playing anymore. I'm done. We're taking care of that stuff in the spirit. I'm moving on. I think the word's out in the kingdom. I'm very nice, so fine. So we get there, and I'm on my way up to the res, and I have this open vision of this three-headed dragon. I'm like, pray to come. Do you know who I am? What do you want to do about this, Lord? Like, no three-headed dragon's going to be on this res on my watch. How are we going to take care of this? Because greater is he than me, than he was in the world, and you call me to take dominion. How do we want to handle this? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to say anything? Do you want me to pray anything? Do you want me to leave it? Do you just want me to be aware? He said, I want you to loose the javelin. I saw a solid gold javelin. He said, loose the javelin into the neck of the, of the dragons. Okay. So I just prophetically release it in the spirit, right? And I see picture in my mind's eye. Gold javelin straight to the neck of each of the three heads. And the Lord said, now that, that they've been pierced, they will not be able to speak what they wanted to speak. I said, hallelujah. So then I look down in, in the vision and I see their toes, these big dragon legs. And he says, pierce between their toes with the sword of the Lord so that they cannot move forward and accomplish what they want to accomplish. I said, okay. I do that prophetically, right? Whatever. I said, but Lord, their heads are still attached. What are we going to do? Like, we need to finish this. I don't want to leave their heads on. Their heads are still attached to the spirit. What are we going to do? He said, I said, what do you want me to decree? What does the reservation need to defeat this foe? He said, I want you to loose the shield of faith. And I went like this in the spirit of the car, and I'm laughing because what I saw was a Captain America shield go <laughs> flying out of my hands in the spirit, and it would, it like cut off their heads. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. So I'm rushing on the way up there, I'm all excited. And we get to this prophetic round table, and there's these three guys I've never met there. I was like, I, I mean, they're, they were okay, you know, I was like, hey, nice to meet you, whatever. Didn't feel drawn to him. It wasn't like wanting to be buddy buddy with him, which usually I want to talk to everybody. I was like, mm, whatever. I went over and talked to Cindy and talked to some other people, and I was like, that's weird, you know, because normally I'm pretty, I don't know, nice for the most part. <laughs> like I'm going to conversate with people, right? Yeah. But I wasn't feeling that. I was like, well, whatever. And um, I tell that story that I just told you in that prophetic roundtable after we all go around and give our prophetic words. I say, look, I gotta tell you what I saw on the way up here. And I tell them about the javelins piercing the three necks. And I tell them about the sword and the toes. How the Lord said they're not gonna be able to move forward and do what they had planned to do that was evil against the rest. And then I tell them about what did they need, Lord? What did they need? They said the rest needs face. And I said, and I loose the shield and it cut off all three of the heads. The old dude of this three gets up and walks out of the booth. I was like, I'm not thinking nothing of it. I'm just being myself. Right? Not praying in the spirit, I'm up and doing my thing, and Lisa's decreeing, declaring, we're all doing, you know, what us prophetic people do. <laughs> the guy gives me a card later on that day that says, Church of Jesus Christ. And I look, I said, hmm. He goes, I'm not a Mormon. I said, really? Okay. I put it in my pocket. I said, well, it's nice to meet you. And I'm preaching, okay? <laughs> so, so I didn't find out they were Mormons so later. I didn't realize the prophecy about the three-headed dragon was about them bringing witchcraft to the reservation until later. And Denise texts me, I'm preaching, and they're both sitting out in the chairs, and the one guy's like, this dude. And I'm like, why is he rubbing his head like, is my preaching the bad? Like, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but it wasn't, I think it was convicting him. And they were really, I think, spies to be sent in to see where we were at, how we were functioning in the supernatural, and what they were up against. And basically, the entire... Preaching was about this. 
We have a Zion pass, and his name is Jesus. We can enter into the supernatural, not of the supernatural, anytime we want. Every single demon can be put under the feet of Jesus Christ in a moment. And this guy just kept rubbing his head, he was going to throw up, and I'm like thinking, this poor guy, you know, maybe he needs deliverance, I don't know what's going on, but I didn't realize he was on an assignment. And Denise texts me later that day, and she said, Stephanie, she said, I think you scared the bejeebies out of him. I said, well, I'll be uh -huh. honest with you, I didn't even know I was, they who were who they were. Uh -huh. Until after I left, right? But I thought, that's our God. Come on. He releases his voice. He sounds a trumpet to his people. He whispers a mystery and a secret. And we might not even understand why, but we bring forth what he tells us to bring forth, and the enemy is trembling in their boots. Come on. Scared. So much so that this guy gets up yeah. out of the middle of the prophetic round team when he yeah. walks out. The other guy's about to throw up on a bridge, and I have no idea what's going on. I'm thinking, Come on. you want some water? <laughs> <laughs> Clueless, right? And then I find out afterwards, the Lord pulled the rug out from under the enemy and what he had planned. Because we loved them, didn't we, Lonnie? Oh, we loved them. We loved them good. All right, let me finish this up. All right? So talking, continuing on about the Hebrew holidays and the Jewish months, okay? It's not just the Hebrew holidays that we pointed out throughout the year that point us to Christ, okay? Every single one of these holidays points us back to Jesus. It's an opportunity to hear from God. He specifically made them to point us back to him and to cause us to assess, where am I with you? We assess vertically, where am I with you? And where am I with my brothers and sisters? Okay, that's the whole purpose of all of these holidays. So even the first fruits, when Patty gets up here and Holly get up here and they talk about the first fruits every single month, if you look at the pattern of the first fruits in the months, all 12 of them, okay, it's really God's discipleship map. And it's sort of like, uh, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But every single month is an invitation to come closer to him in a specific way. And it has a different quality that he's asking about. It's a different characteristic of who he is that he's revealing that month because every month represents a tribe okay you see that image up there okay can you see all those months one two three four we're in tishri we're coming into tishri right technically we're still in the wall but feast of tabernacles starts on the sixth and we're coming into tishri oh i didn't switch it for you yeah let me switch it for you is that better okay and each month like for example the first month and the first fruit is the month of nisan or nisan every month is associated with the tribe Okay? Not only is it associated with tribe, every tribe is associated with a jewel or a color. And this is where us intercessory prophetic types are like, woo, 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 going off the chart excited because we love symbols, okay? So when we go nuts and go, oh my gosh, that yellow flag means this, and she was waving it during this song, and it totally aligned, and you guys went, what? <laughs> Okay, this is why. This is how this all aligns. We're not crazy. We're not making this stuff up. It's not a call. It's not weird. These are the hidden mysteries of God, okay? So Nisan is the first month. It's aligned with the tribe of Judah. And one of the things that Judah is known for, who came out of the tribe of Judah? Jesus. Come on. It's known for deliverance. The tribe of Judah is known for deliverance and redemption. So in that particular month, God is saying, okay, I want you to slow down and think about any areas in your life where you might need some additional deliverance, right? Amen, because we have it all right. It's from faith to faith and glory to glory, right? 
where you might need, need to redeem another area of your mindset, of your heart, and press into me more. So because God is eternal, we never stop growing. Right? So if we behold his glory with an unveiled face, and if he is eternal, which he is, then there's always more of him that we can come into. Amen? Okay. So these are just examples. I'm not going to read through them all. I just wanted to give you one or two examples. Okay? So second one, Ayar. It's the month of Ishakar. Okay? If you read any of the scriptures on the sons of Ishakar, they're all about the timing of God. And during this month, what is this month? What is God trying to usually tell you in this month? He's reminding you, are you in timing? Not, don't just think about what I asked you to do or what I'm trying to deliver you of. I want you to think about when I want you to do what I want you to do. Is this the right time? Are you trying to do things ahead of time? Are you forcing things? Are you treating the people around you wrong because you're trying to make something happen when I'm obviously shutting the doors in your face for a reason? And we've all been right? We've all been yeah. So these are really, really good reminders, right? There is a, I need you to sit down and be still and learn what it is I want you to learn here. You're trying to force yourself out of time into something you're not ready for because for whatever reason you haven't done whatever thing I've asked you to, or I haven't done what I need to do in them before you get there. Right? So every month is important. That's why we do first fruits every month. That's why we celebrate all the Hebrew festivals. It's sort of like if you were to do a Bible study, a one-year Bible study discipleship path. This is God's Hebrew calendar discipleship path. That's right. That's really what it is. Okay? So these printouts that they do for us every month when they give them to us are really important because you can go, take it home, and read it and spend time soaking in the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, you know, this is your discipleship path. It's sort of like a read through God's heart in a year plan. Mm. <laughs> All right? And he's speaking to you, and you can read through it and say, okay, what are the scriptures that are associated with the month? What is the tribe that's associated with this month? What is that tribe known for? What are you trying to tell me? who I am and what you're calling me to be in this moment. Who are the people in my life that represent the deliverers or the ones that keep me on time or will be honest with me if I'm out of time that I need to talk to this month just to maybe get some counsel, right? Get some feedback or something. Amen? Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Okay, and it goes on and on and on and on. I'm not going to get into all of it. This is really fun. You can download the PowerPoints if you want them on our Shakina International Gmail. You all have that, Okay. So I wanted to read this verse, Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant, but there's also a time to uproot. Come on. And this one might be hard to swallow, but there's a time to kill. And there's a time to heal. There's a time to tear down, and then there's a time to build up. There's a time to weep, and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn, and there's a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones, and then there's a time to gather them together. There's a time to embrace someone, and there's a time to refrain. The Lord finish. You ever heard that as a counselor? Don't hug someone when they're processing something that actually stops their processing. So when we're doing those tap out sessions and we're not hugging you, we're just tapping on your forearms like this. There's a reason. Because it's not the time to hug you and comfort you. That's God's job. 
He's actually healing something in you. It's not a time for us to be embracing and trying to get that pain to go away because the pain is actually the pathway to wholeness. Face, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. There's a time to search and then there's a time to give up. Somebody say amen. Yeah. amen. There's a time to keep things and there's a time to throw them away. All the hoarders in the room, want me to repeat that? There's a time to keep things and there's a time to throw them away. I love you. There's a time to mend, but there's also a time to be silent. Okay, so I have another testimony of an individual, one of my family members I hadn't spoken to in over a year and a half, and this is not my husband, just clarify. Um, called me the other day, and the Lord told me not to contact her. I wanted to. I, I, she had a uh, bad doctor's report about cancer, and something had happened, and she, you know, there was some slander and some different things that occurred relationally. And Father said, do not contact her. And I was like, eh. I wanted to hug, I wanted to mend, I wanted to fix it, I wanted to wipe it over. I would have said, no, do not contact her. I'm a big baby, so I'm crying about her, of course. I'm like, okay, Lord, well, give me grace, right? So keep me distracted, keep me focused on the things you want me focused on. Well, she calls me out of the blue the other day. I hung up with the person I was on the phone with. I said that this particular individual hasn't called me for a year and a half. I need to talk to them. And I said, hey. I was like, thank you, Jesus, she finally called me. Small talk, small talk, small talk, small talk. That's great, that's great, that's great. Small talk, small talk. How's the letter? How's this? How's your family? Good, 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 good. The Holy Spirit hit me and I said, How you doing? Cry, 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 But what he was telling me in that moment is, Stephanie, if you had called and patched up right away, we never would have got here. She needed to feel the tension of separation. She needed to feel the pressure of the sin. The consequence of the behavior and the betrayal. And I was like, man, that was hard. Sometimes it's harder to stay away than it is to just fix it and make everything okay. But the kingdom thing to do is to not bend it in the moment, to let it sit and be awkward so the healing can come for that person and they can feel the pressure or the press they need to press to turn to him. Amen? Amen. There's a time to love and a time to hate. Ooh. Mm -mm. A lot of people are upset about what's going on in our nation. I'm just saying, there's a time to love and a time to hate. Do you remember the story about Phineas? He pierced that couple through. Now we're in the New Testament, but I'm just saying, there's a time to say that behavior is unacceptable and it will not happen on my watch again. Okay? Interesting, huh? There's a time for war. What? What? Peace, peace, love, no war. Oh, oh, we should, we should, we should. It's crickets. There's time for war. There's a time for peace. Okay. And we're living in a society that says it's either or, and if you're on this side, you're wrong and fine. That side, you're not loving. If you're on this side, you're demonic. Right? And it's like, no. If we look at what the word says, the Lord says there's a time for everything. You just have to be in time with God. And that's why the Hebrew holidays and the Hebrew calendar is so important because it points us back to him. It gives us the grace to have those dove eyes like Song of Songs talks about that are always stayed on him. And so we hear, Lord, how do you want us to respond? We had a meeting with a friend this morning. We weren't expecting to do what we did, but we knew it was time. We had a meeting right prior to it with a specific monetary amount that had been highlighted to us, 
that specific monetary amount was an exact ask that was a need for someone outside the family of God. And the Lord said, give it. We're like, okay, Father. There's a time. You can't make that stuff up. Right? So we want to obey you. We want to hear the voice of God. Because we cannot outgive him. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, will men give into your bosom. That means me and you are coming into a place of obedience to participate with the divine nature to accomplish what's in his heart to do to bless someone else, right? But if our eyes aren't stayed on him, if we're not always looking back and always kind of focusing on the things he wants us to focus on, listening and being attentive and pressing into more of who he is, sometimes we can miss it. It goes on and it says, what do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Tell your neighbors, say, God is making it beautiful. But it's going to be in his time. <laughs> right? And we love that idea that God's going to make it beautiful, but sometimes we're like, when, God, when? Right? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. we're the we're the what that's being made beautiful because we're hot mess in the midst of it, right? He's like, honey, you're the thing I'm perfecting right now. <laughs> Just be still and let me work my, you know, miraculous movement on you. And then that situation will be beautiful, but so will you by the time I come to Because you're important to me. Amen. You're important to God. He goes on and he says, He has also set eternity in the human's heart. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift of God. I know. Everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that the people fear him. And sometimes we ask, like, Lord, why did you do it this way? And that tells us right there, God does it so that the people will fear him. Why is the fear of the Lord so important? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of Wisdom is knowing what is best to do in a situation that will bring you into a place of blessing. Understanding is knowing how to do what is best to do that will bring you into a place of blessing. And God loves us so much that he wants us to fear him in a godly way, respect him, sort of like the father, right? When the mom says, do we need to have a conversation with your dad? And the child, no, right, wiggling. Knowing what's coming if daddy finds out, it's not going to be pretty. It's not that they don't know that the father loves them. It's not that they don't know that the father cares about them, but they don't want to be standing there in the line when daddy's got a belt in his hand and I'm about to get disciplined. Because they know they're going to get pow powed Right? The fear of the Lord is coming. Alright. God is so good and so meticulous in all that he does. That he literally sets all these times and seasons and months and feasts and every holiday and first fruit. That they have a Hebrew in the Hebrew, they have a meaning. They have an associated tribe, they have an associated stone, they have an associated color. Every single letter of the Hebrew 
in the Hebrew language also has a number associated. So when we talk about Rosh Hashanah 5782, that's a Hebrew word. It literally spells something. It means something. That's why when we talk about the Hebrew years, we go back and we say five means this, seven means this, eight means this, two means this, because it's a picture, it's a hidden mystery in a way that God is showing us this is what the next 10 years is going to look like because I have something I'm trying to accomplish in the world. And it's time for this to occur. And you are my children, you are my beloved, precious, amazing, treasured ones. And I would love for you to participate in the divine nature and bring my kingdom here on earth. So this in heaven with me. Do you want to do that? And I'm like, yes. Do you want to do that? Yes, me too. There's no greater privilege than participating in the divine nature. Okay, so this goes on. You can see 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 months. Again, in Psalm 104, 19, it says, He, being God, made the moon. Okay, so all of these first fruit months and all of these feasts and holidays, it's set on the cycle of the solstice of the moon. Now, you hear the word solstice, and you're thinking, your eyes are popping, you're thinking, well, that's what the witches do, they play a winter solstice. Yeah, guess what, they stole that from God. Okay? So what they're really trying to do is set up a, a, an opposite, an oppositional attack against the goodness that God's trying to pour out. They align with what's happening so they can try and snag some of the spiritual gifts that are coming down from heaven for the sons and the daughters of God. They do not have any new ideas. But, who wins? Anybody? That's right, every time. Because it's finished, amen? So we don't have to worry about that. We just stay focused on who he is. We stay focused on his timetable. We do what he tells us to do when he tells us to do it. And he glorifies his name. It says, he made the moon to mark the seasons and the sun knows when to go down to mark the seasons, amen? In the Strong's Concordance, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that, To mark means the appointed place, the seasons. Mark the seasons, the appointed place, the appointed time. The appointed sign or signal, the appointed or set feast. There are some appointed times, there are some appointed feasts, there are some appointed signs and signals that God is always speaking to us all the time through his appointed calendar. And if we humble ourselves and we listen and we're, we're learning and we're seeking his face, he will speak to us every single year over and over and over again through his Hebrew months and calendars and feasts, just like he does through the word. Have you ever read a passage of scripture and then gone back a couple years later and said, oh my goodness, Lord, that's so beautiful. I've never seen that before. Have you ever done that? I have. And I've been in the Lord 20 plus some years. And I'll go back and I read the thing again and I'm like, wow, you just wrecked me again. I, I don't know how I couldn't have seen that. I had this passage memorized, but I went and read it again. And this one particular word jumped off the page and it totally wrecked me. Because it was an appointed time for an appointed message for me from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Is that helpful, you guys? Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't know what this means, but I, I, there are number 12, that's Naphtali. I'm thinking Naphtali Bennett. 
He's the new prime minister of mm -hmm. Israel, so there's something to pray into it there at some point. Yeah, so Father, we pray for Naphtali over Israel right now. We plead the blood of Jesus over him, Father God. We lose angels to keep him in the perfect will of you, Father God, to give him ears to hear your strategies, your will, your word for this season in Jesus' name, this season of Rosh Hashanah. And we ask, Father God, that you would protect him, that you protect the Israeli people, that you would unite them with your heart for this season, and that nothing that is not of you will be able to come into Israel into their borders or operate through Israel that would not bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank amen. you. Thank you, Lord. All right, so I was, as I was praying this through, I was thinking, how do, how do we explain this? We talk about the feast kind of being like God's annual discipleship model, right? Like, you know, you've heard those 101 discipleship Christianity classes that go one year and you're discipling like a single year. It's God's way of doing that, okay? That's kind of what it is. And I was thinking about Mount Zion. When we climb a mountain, we rarely take a straight path from the valley straight up to the tippy top. Has anybody tried that and almost died? Okay, I know you have. Raise your hand. Yes. We've had this conversation because I had the same experience when I went to Crow Patrick. I thought I was going to die. Literally. Okay? It's a straight verbal shot like this. I'm thinking, Irish, why do we have to take the shortest path now? We could have wound around and really enjoyed our walk up this thing, but no, it was like torture going straight up that mountain. So most people, when they build a path or a road around a mountain, they go around and around and around in a very slight grade, right, so that it's easy to move and navigate around, but you feel sometimes like you're going in circles. Why am I still having this problem? Didn't I just see that tree? I've seen the scenery on the right before. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Excuse me. So spiritually sometimes, we feel like we're going around and around in circles, but what we don't realize is the circle's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And you're actually moving closer and closer and closer to the heart of the Lord, which is in the center of Mount Zion. And you're going higher and higher and higher in your authority and your ability to operate the third heaven instead of the first heaven. You're increasing in glory. You're increasing in you're increasing in his countenance and his love, peace, patience, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control, and suffering. Right? But because you're going around and around, you might feel like if you're looking at the outward circumstances, like you're not getting anywhere. But if you take a moment and you pause and you look down over the mountain's edge vertically, you go, whoa, I've gone a long way. I feel nauseous. I can't get that kind of path and keep moving. Right? Anybody ever done that? Right? You are making progress. The Hebrew months are a lot like that mountain path. God takes us through the same months with the same hidden meanings that point us back to him in the same way over and over and over again every year. But each year, we get a little bit closer to who he is. We get a little bit closer to him and we look more like his son. Amen? And that's the win. Christ in us is the hope of glory. In his kindness, he knows that if we do it incrementally, number one, we, we won't get overwhelmed. Does anybody get overwhelmed sometimes? Okay, with really big tasks or too many tasks that are too diverse at the same time. Or sometimes when you read the word and you look in the mirror, it says you look in the mirror and you go, uh, I can't look very long. I've got a lot to fix, right? <laughs> but little by little, he says, that's why you just do a little by little. Every month he reminds us of a little bit and you just incrementally take that next step forward, that next step of obedience. Right? 
It's beautiful. And then after a few years, we look back, and if we take time to celebrate, and I think this is so important. Laura and I were talking about journaling today. When I go back and I read my journals from like 10, 15 years ago, I laugh now. Uh, I'm like, oh, that's so adorable, uh, right? Uh, because I've come so far. I mean, it literally makes me laugh. But I go back and I look at my journals from three, four years ago, and I'm like, oh, God, you've really changed my heart. You brought me through that, and now I feel this way, and I felt that way at the time but you really worked a work of pure, perfect love in my heart toward these individuals, toward this situation. You brought me victory. And I can anybody else relate to that? Oh yeah. And it's so important, it's so important to pause and to take time to assess how far you've come. How far you've come. Just, let's just do an activation real quick. Say, Holy Spirit, show me one area where I have really grown that has pleased you. If you got some voice whispering in your ear telling you you're not doing enough, I want to tell you that's not the voice of God. Oh. Yeah. Amen. Okay? That is not the voice of your perfect heavenly father. That's the voice that the accuser trying to get you to turn around and give up and go back down the mountain, spiral back up to where he's at in the world. <clears throat> father God saying, come on, baby. I see you. Come on. I'm right here. You're almost there. Man, look how far you've come. Get a little drink of water. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Just sit down and read your Bible right there. Let's sit down together and chit chat. Each month we simply ask for prayers and then we turn around and we look and we see how far we've come. And it's the small choices. It's the daily small choices that we make that we realize has changed the absolute trajectory of our lives. There's no, I can't, we write these books, okay, like even Dynamis Love, and we hear these big stories about these cities that have been changed, revolutionized, where the presence of God just shows up and the glory of God falls. That happened one prayer at a time. I'm going to show up to another prayer meeting where God hasn't done what I thought he was going to do. I'm going to sing another song where it doesn't feel the way I thought it would feel. I'm going to worship him again. <laughs> we have to tape someone up with tape because something's losing <laughs> or someone can't get out of the chair and there's only five of us here. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. Why? Because I recognize after years of serving the Lord, it's the daily small choices that change the trajectory of a city, of a family, of a church, and of a nation. God will didn't have to overnight. There were so many meetings when people didn't show, and there were only 10 of us, or 8 of us, or 14 of us, and then there'd be 30 of us. But it was showing up to meeting after meeting after meeting, and calling the meeting again, and again, and again, and again. And people caught the vision, and caught the vision, and caught the vision, and they would come, and they would go, and they would multiply it out. And choosing to still serve God, and meet again, and again, and again, and again. And now these pastors, they're united by themselves. We don't even have to tell them to do it. It's normal. 
When we started that over 12 years ago, they wouldn't even talk to each other. But now it's just how we do life in Lansing. But it was one choice at a time, one month at a time, one week at a time, one phone call at a time, one apology at a time, <laughs> one act of forgiveness at a time, letting go of offense after offense. See, you know what? God's kingdom is bigger than my preference, than my feelings. Everybody has bad days, right? Come on. So this particular year is exciting because this is a schmitta year. It's a fun word to say. Go ahead and say that when I say schmitta. Schmitta. Make sure you get the M in there, please. Schmitta. Schmitta. Yes, it's a schmitta year. And just like we have um, a jubilee, right, year where every 50 years or whatever, um, oh, that's canceled, etc. The Schmitta year happens every seven years, and every time there's a Schmitta year, there's been 10 since Israel was formed in uh, 48. And what the promise with this particular year basically is that in the sixth year, God will give you three years worth of blessings if you honor the Schmitta. Yes. Okay? Just like each month has a hidden mystery that points us back to God, each year has a hidden mystery in the Hebrew numbers. Every Hebrew letter is also a Hebrew number. So every year can literally spell a Hebrew word and speak a message revealing the mystery that God wants us to know about this coming year. And this year is 5782. So why is this important? So who cares, right? Who cares? Why is this important? This is important because, number one, it gives us insight to what's coming this year. Amos says, God does nothing without revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And if you're going to want to know somebody's secrets, those fun to know secrets, right? You know stuff other people know knowledge is power, we know that, right? But if you want to know somebody's secrets, let me tell you something. God's somebody that you want to know his secrets. Because he's literally in charge of the entire universe. Right? He's the only one that is perfect love. So that means that all of his secrets have good intent towards you, towards others. Number two, it helps us to be prepared and respond instead of react. So knowing the secrets of God helps us to be prepared and be able to respond instead of react. Have you ever been in a situation, I'll tell you a story. My dad, um, we have an old house at my mom's house. And we have a bathroom light on the outside of the bathroom. When there's five kids, so you can imagine we were doing this one time quickly. Sure. Somebody goes in the bathroom, and quickly, whoever can get to the light switch first, runs the light switch and turns it on and off until the person inside screams, stop, 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 for the love of God, stop, I'm going to punch you if you don't stop. And everybody laughs. Right? Well, we decided to go beyond the light switch one year. My brother's doing the light switch, he beat me to the light switch, so I go and find him this rubber tarantula. Now, this is... Not nice, okay? I just want to throw that out there. This was not nice, and I apologize to my dad afterwards, but it was funny. And I tied this rubber tarantula on the end of a string, and I hang it at about dad's face level. So he, he's in the bathroom, and he plays Yahtzee when he's in there for a minute. And the kids are flicking the light on him. And he is just hollering. Yes, beep, 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 can't stop turning that light off, beep, beep, beep. And I'm, I'm taping the tarantula up on the thing. So he finally finishes playing Yahtzee. 
big scarab, you know, washes his hands. We hear the water come on. And he's getting ready to come out. And he opens up that door, and he is mad. Because they were still flipping away, of course. He opens up that door, and he hears that tarantula. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's thinking something's attacking him. So he like paralyzes and freezes and wants to punch, but he can't because he's so startled because he's frozen stiff. And that's what happens when we get caught off guard. Sometimes we get paralyzed and we, we want to react instead of respond. Okay, so one of the benefits of knowing God's secrets is that you're not caught off guard with a tarantula in your face ready to knock somebody out when you walk into a situation, into a room. Or you see stuff happening in the culture because you were prepared. The Lord already told you what was going to happen beforehand. You're going, oh, okay, I see this. You said this was coming. Now I can stay calm. I can keep my peace. And I can respond. And participate in your divine nature to bring solutions and not add to the problem and exacerbate the situation. Right? Amen? Number three, why is this important about the Hebrew calendar and the holidays? It helps us to see clearly where we will be challenged to grow spiritually this year. Okay, so when God tells us, this is where I'm taking you, and you go, oh dear God, no, please, that of you not this year, I'm not ready. Right? You know that God loves you enough to tell you that's where he's taking you, and he is going to take you there. You have an opportunity to surrender and prepare or resist and get dragged along anyway, because you're going to go how that path goes for you and what that journey and that year looks like is up to you. I would highly recommend you surrender. I didn't do it for years and I was not a happy person. But when I learned to surrender, what helped me to surrender really is that knowing God was always good and that he always loved me. And that when I willingly picked up my cross and died, it was much less painful than forcefully having to pick up my cross and be nailed to it and die a slow death. <laughs> the older people in the room know what I'm talking about, or talking, right? We've all kind of done that, right? So it helps us to better love those around us when we can see clearly where we're going to be spiritually chanced for the year. It helps us to prepare. It helps us to set aside the proper amount of time to be in his presence, to have whatever it is we need to be successful and victorious as we know it's coming, okay? It comes against us or toward us. It helps us to better love those around us and to prepare for the challenges we may have relationally. Okay. Number four, why is this important? It sets us on a prophetic trajectory for the year. When we take time to celebrate Rosh Hashanah, to celebrate the first fruits, it's like Father God is blowing, sounding his voice and blowing the trumpet and releasing a prophetic word and saying, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do. And if Father God speaks and says, let there be light, and light is still multiplying this many years later, I want to know what he's saying every month and what he's saying every year so I can ride that quantum supernatural grace to the ends of whatever blessing he decides he wants to give me. Because what he says happens, right? And we have two choices. We can either jump on the surfboard and ride the wave along with him and enjoy, enjoy it. Or we can stand there and go, no, and try to put our hand up and get smacked in the face with the tsunami and be like, love, I wish I had listened. Right? And then you're swimming and save me, Jesus, like Peter underwater, right? He'll pull you up so you can water walk again. But it's so much more fun to just jump on the surfboard and enjoy the thrill of not knowing where or how you're going to get where you're going, but you're going to go with him because he's with you. 
right? Rather than take the beating against, you know, the tsunami and get tumbled down underneath and get whacked around by the reefs in the underworld for a little bit. We're trying to figure out who we are. Amen? God in his infinite wisdom and perfect love set up the entire Hebrew calendar and all of the years so that we would be set up for success. And he set up every month so that, and every year to point us back to him and to help us live our very best life. God reveals his secrets to his friends, and the scripture says that you are his friend. God reveals the secrets to his prophets, and he says that we're kings and we're priests. So no matter what is going on around you, no matter what is going on around us, we do not get overcome because we know what's coming. And we have him with us. We do not get overwhelmed because he's given us a heads up. We are not dismayed because he's given us the keys on how to be victorious in those situations. But instead, we understand that this is all part of his plan. This is all part of his process. And because he is love, perfect love, it's going to be good. Amen? Amen. All right. So real quick. Every time... We do a head of the year teaching. I always like to go back and celebrate the last year in the review. It's a little bit much sometimes when we do these Rosh Hashanah gatherings because we oftentimes put multiple prophecies together, all the prophecies that all the prophets are saying, and we kind of choose anywhere between three and ten of them to say, this is what the prophets are saying. It can be a bit like drinking out of a uh, fire hose. Right? It's like, oh, I'm drowning. I'm drowning in all the revelation. I can't keep it straight. That's why I recommend getting the PowerPoints and or listening to the podcast and taking notes because it will set you up for success this next year, okay? So today, we're just simply laying the foundation um, for next week. This is a two-part series. Next week, we'll talk about all the prophecies, okay? We're going to kind of boil them down and share everything that all the prophets are saying about 572. But first, I want to celebrate and kind of look at last year, 5781. If you remember correctly... Um, and I'd forgotten that this was the image, to be honest with you. The image that God gave James Nesbitt for 5781 was this particular image. And it said, last year was the clash of the kingdom of the enemy and the kingdom of light. We were decreeing and declaring, thy kingdom come. And he was decreeing and declaring and spewing opposition against us. They were gathering in unity. And the kingdom, the kingdom of light was gathering unity, and the kingdom of darkness was gathering unity. Now, looking back over this last year, can anybody say amen? Okay, 2020 is perfect vision. We can look back now and say, now that makes total sense. You can't make this stuff up. That's what God told us last year in September before anything happened. And now we can look back and go, yeah, that was really good. That set us up for success because we knew that war was coming and we were able to respond instead of react. Amen? That's so helpful. This last year, the throne rooms have been some of the most powerful we've ever seen, like I said before. We've seen the kingdom of God come in ways we haven't seen. There's been a unity and a grace in songs that have come forth where it's like, whoa. The lyrics. Crazy stuff where all of a sudden a rap spirit will hit. And we're talking about, Caleb, give me my mountain. He's going to take down Anakin. I'm like, I can't rap. I, that just came out of my mouth. That was definitely God. Right? I'm like blowing my mind. Seriously. Blowing my mind. Exactly. Yes. Okay, so last, last, uh, 
Last Tuesday, somebody's joking about, I got the power, Holy Spirit says, you sing on that, that's right, I do have the power. So I started releasing the sound, and we sang for like an hour and a half on, I, he's got the power, yeah, 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 Jesus got the power, you know, and how he was going to take out the enemy, it was like, whoa, the glory of God was in the room. But it all came just out of obedience, and it's coming quicker, it's coming faster, it's coming stronger, and it's more unified and succinct than ever. Can you testify that people are there? Yeah, Brad, Matt? It's been good. And what's happening is things are happening in the spirit. So the kingdom of light is unifying and increasing the power. But if you're watching the news and you're watching the media and you're listening to some of that stuff that's going on, the vilification of people, the kingdom of darkness is also ramping up its words. And it was warring against the kingdom of God. Amen? All right. So just a little review of last year. You remember the little smiley face, the left guy? Okay, the number one is Aleph. Okay, it's called the Seat of Wisdom. And it's a combination of the Hebrew letter Vav, which is that center component there. It's the straight piece with the little seven, kind of looks like a seven sideways. And then that little um, apostrophe looking thing on the top of the bottom is called a Yud. Okay, so it's a Vav and two Yuds. Okay, and really, if you look at it, Vav is the number six. And in the Hebrew, Vav is the number of man. So if you look at this letter, okay, you see a smiley face on the second guy? Because it's a man, right? Mm -hmm. It looks like a guy pointing toward the divine realm of heaven, the third heaven, and the earthly realm, the, second, the, the first heaven, and saying, I'm calling heaven to earth. And really, those of us, the remnant, those of us who are functioning in the kingdom of God this last year in that third heaven, we were seated in that heavenly place and warring in the second heaven and calling the kingdom of heaven down to earth. That's really what we did all last year. And it was powerful. Okay, you remember we talked about that? The third heaven, the first heaven, second heaven, and third heaven? We talked about how Paul said, I know a man who went to the third heaven. And if there's a third heaven, that means there's a second heaven and a first heaven. Those three is after two and one. Can you follow me? Okay. Right. So we, we're learning this last year to operate from that place of the third heaven. In other words, in the natural, in the first heaven is where the natural earth, where we physically seal, see, we, where we physically see, we physically feel, we physically taste, and we physically touch things. And there were a lot of things that we wanted to touch this year that the Lord said, keep your hands off it. I want you to come up here. I want you to come up here into the third heaven. I want you to come up here into the second heaven. And I want you to decree and declare some things with me out of the place of sonship, out of the place of being my daughter and being my son. And then take that into the war zone of the second heaven where you feel that oppression, that pressure, that heaviness, that twisting spirit, that witchcraft that's been coming at us at night. I want you to decree and declare that from being seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus into that second heaven, that war zone, and bring it into order. And it will manifest in the first heaven. And that's what we saw over and over and over again. Amen? It was powerful. I'm not going to get into all that. Let me see what time it is here. Let me move on. Okay. Let me skip all that. Let me skip all that. We went over that last year, so I'm going to skip all that, okay? These are some of the prophetic words from last year that I think will make sense to us now if they didn't make sense to you last year. It was a time to repair what is corrupt in the nations. What? Does that make sense now? Oh, somebody. Look at the world. Corruption is everywhere. We're talking about it everywhere. Things are being repaired. Things are being brought to 
like things are being exposed, people are being arrested, and rightfully so. Okay? So that why? They align with the kingdom culture, the sustainable from generations to generations. Okay? We were told this last year to put over, over, over all these things to put on the love. How many of us needed to practice that this last year? Okay, now looking back, we're like, yes, I get it now, yeah. Lord, right? It's so good. All right? It was beyond just souls being saved. It wasn't so much about evangelism last year. It was about maturity. He was maturing us. We were having to press into places of character that we hadn't pressed into before, right? It wasn't just about being saved. It was about coming into maturity in every sphere, okay? And then they talked about microbursts of alignment, okay? So they talked about unity happening with um, small groups of apostles and prophets. We went to D.C., we aligned with James Nesbitt. We went to the Res, we aligned with the Cantus. We went to South Dakota, we aligned with Norma, we aligned with Norma Blacksmith. There were, there were four or five apostles at every one of those gatherings. Okay, so all that happened. We didn't plan that stuff, that's just the way God did it. We had the Pentecost gathering, maybe there were probably actually about 30 years, so we, we might be a little on the front end of that. But when we had the Pentecost gathering here, the prophetic round table, right? We had 40 people. Probably at least 10 or 12 apostles and prophets. Okay? They said that. Oh, oh Jesus. Hold on, I was just messing with you. Uh, so they said that dismantling started in March, but that God was rebuilding what He had dismantled and will carry, it will carry more glory than you ever thought. Okay, how many of you had some things dismantled this year? Watched things in people's lives that you love be dismantled? Yeah. Okay, we lied for you. We're like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Thanks for the warning, Lord. <laughs> right? But the beautiful thing is he's, re he's reconstructing them. He's rebuilding them. And they're going to carry more glory than ever. And we've seen that, right? This team, this body, this remnant, our dream team is tighter than we've ever been. We're more united than we've ever been. We've got more joy than we've ever had. We have more unity than we've ever had. We have more um, shared revelation than we've ever had. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Okay? Just some fun points of last year. I liked this one by Johnny Enslow. It said we're going to mobilize, move, march, meet, mix, melt, maximize his kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. We've done that over and over and over again. What's interesting, though, is this year only the remnant did it. Many, 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 many people sat down and stayed separate. And I was thinking about the Gideon 300 thing we were talking about earlier. Sometimes God allows great pressure to come so he can see who's my remnant that's actually going to rise to this top and keep moving forward. In every single one of you did that. We still gathered. We still worshiped. We still praised. We still released the prophetic word. We still obeyed. We still held conferences. We still had a prophetic round table. Well done. I just hear a resounding well done from Papa. Do you know that you're probably in the top 1% of churches in the nation that have done that? 1%. 99% of churches shut down for two weeks or more. Come on, somebody. You guys are the upper echelon. You're in the top what, 300 football picks. Okay? Probably the top 50, maybe even the top 10, if you're doing sports analogies, which I don't watch sports, so that might not even be accurate. But you're trying to right? 
He went on, Enslow said last year, you will roar this year and this decade, okay? This is the decade of pay. This is the decade of the mouth. So what God is trying to teach you is how to release the sound of your voice in a way that brings the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. So like that verse in Ecclesiastes is talking about, you got to know when to hug, know when not to hug. You got to know when to bend, know when to let it sit. You got to know when to hate, when to love, when to war, when to have peace. Right? It's getting to that place where you're so one with him that you can hear Holy Spirit at the drop of a head. You just do whatever he says. Amen? All right. Then there was this one. This one was really good, too. There was a lot that was talking about promotion. But in order to be promoted, you had to deal with your personal stuff first. How many people out there was dealing with some personal stuff? But how many had some doors open where you were like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Like we got how many songs for Tom Room? Three, four? Songs that came out of Tom Room that we copyrighted this year? Yeah. I mean, that's so many more coming. And that God's like, yeah. but as we showed up, as we did the little thing, the little thing, the little thing, all of a sudden we're like, man, these are so good. We've got to capture these. We've got to protect them. Right? We've got to share them with the world. They're so good. So like I said, this year is a Shmita year. You can say that one more time. It's so Shmita. fun. Shmita. 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 Yeah, it was a yeah. exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it ends on September 26, 2022. Okay, so it's a whole year. A Shemitah year happens every seventh year. It's a Shabbat of years instead of a Shabbat of days. So just like the Hebrew people take one day of rest, where they just focus on the Lord and family and the things of God, um, every seven years they take a year of resting in something. Okay? There are verses that literally talk about needing to let the land rest. Have you heard farmers say that you're supposed to let the land rest every seven years? Okay, you know why they do that? They do that because the, the land actually can't continuously produce minerals over and over and over again. It needs to rest with the people. Okay, did you know that you're made of dust? Guess what that makes us? Land. Did you know that you need to rest? There's some seasons that God will call us into every seven years or so where he'll say, look, I want you to rest on this thing. Like, he took me one time, he had me not eat shrimp for three years. I was like, what is that about? I know. Well, I found out later that there was a bad batch that came through and a bunch of people got sick and died. But he had me not eat shrimp for three years. He's like, I want you to give a rest. And I'm like, God, it's so good and it's healthy. And like, I, wanted, I was just eating bags and bags. And it was right after Cam was born. He said, no, I want you to take a break. I said, okay. So I'm wondering if you want to ask Holy Spirit, Father, what do you want me to take a rest from? Okay, what do you want us to take a rest from? Prophet Warren and I had a meeting earlier, and we're in transition with moving to a new building. We're praying through the idea of, Lord, do you, what does a rest look like for our church? What do you want us to rest in? Do we not do conferences next year? Do we meet in my home so we can save money and pay cash when we transition? What do you want us to rest from? We don't know. So please be praying about that and asking the Lord. Because we want to obey. And it's been a hard, this last year was a hard year for a lot of us, the last two years. And I just am so pleased with the way that y'all stepped up. 
I mean, you guys were amazing, absolutely amazing. Elohim commanded Israel not to plant or sow their harvest in the seventh year in order that the land could rest. And anything that grew on its own was for the animals to eat and anyone in need of food to pick as they pleased. Guys, in order for the Israelites not to go hungry in the Shemitah year, God gave a special blessing in the sixth year, so this last year, in the year that we're technically still in until the sixth. When you are sowing, I will order my special blessing on you in the sixth year so that it will produce sufficient crops for three years. When you are sowing the eighth year, you can still eat old things from the crops, eating the old until the ninth year when the crops come in. So the blessing and the promise with practicing the Shemitah year is that your sixth year funds or income or provision or revelation or whatever it is he, he tells you to give up is going to actually last you three years beyond the Shemitah year. So it's going to last you for the Shemitah year and two more years. So it becomes like rollover provision for you. Come on, somebody. Anybody want that blessing? Yeah. I do. I do. I'm just saying, start praying. Shandadada, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to rest from? I'm in. I'm in it to win it. Amen? All debts were forgiven on the Shemitah. Okay, just say, I decree and declare, my debts are forgiven in this year. My debts are forgiven. In Jesus' name, I decree and declare, because I am honoring the Shemitah year, I receive the triple blessing or the 300 full blessing that will last me three years in Jesus' name. The penalty for not allowing land to rest was pretty severe. It always resulted in exile for Babylon. <laughs> Nobody wants to be exiled. Man, I don't want to be exiled. It's important to rest, right? So we all kind of had a rest when COVID happened, right? We kind of laid around watching Netflix, did whatever we wanted, so we kind of got that forced rest, right? But this is a Shemitah year. Did you know that since 1973, a Shemitah year, there has been a market crash and or a recession that has affected the entire globe every sabbatical year since 1973? You can't make that so far. We should all expect some of that, some natural disasters perhaps. Because when people don't rest, Father God forces them to rest. Have you noticed all the fires? the hurricanes, right? We just, again, we're really bad about this in America. We want to go, 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 go. Right? We just want to go all the time. But we've got to be still long enough to hear his voice. And this year, God's telling us to be still and hear his voice. Okay? We talked about the economic reset that happened every seven years since 1937. This will be Israel's 10th Shemitah since its founding in 1948. So even if you don't own land, the Shemitah here is something that all people, not just the Jews, should keep. Ask Holy Spirit what you should abstain from doing this year. Or how much work you should work. And in what way he would have you personally to rest. Okay? So that doesn't mean rest from a relationship with him. It means resting from something you do, some activity you do that distracts you from who he is. Okay? Whatever that is. 
Now is also the time to pay off your debts as much as possible, but also if you are a lender to consider forgiving the debts of others as well. Be prepared for what's coming, both in the natural and in the spirit. This is a Shemitah year. If you choose to rest, God will bless you. If you choose not to rest, God will make you rest. That is never fun. It's sort of like the cross analogy, right? When God says, lay down and take a nap, do you want to lay down and take a nap or do you want to give you the flu? I want to lay down and take a nap, right? And he's never doing it out of punishment or out of unkindness. He's doing it because he knows your body literally needs the rest. And sometimes we don't want to be still because we don't want to hear what's going on up here. We don't want to slow down enough to, to listen to all this that's happening in our head between our ears, right? But that's exactly what he's trying to get at. And we can either deal with it now when he asks us to, be still and let him do the work that he wants to do in us, or we can keep and he's going to make you crash, kind of like the computer. And you're going to be sitting there until he's done doing what he wanted to do in you, willingly. He was asking you to willingly submit to it. He'll do it anyway. And you're going to feel so relaxed, so refreshed, so encouraged when he's done doing this. Okay? All right, so I want to talk a little bit about the mystery hidden in 5782. We talked about the Shemitah year, that it's a year of rest. We're praying about that. If you hear something potentially about what we're supposed to do as a church, please come share it with And we'll be talking about that at our Dream Team meeting, which, by the way, October, the fourth Sunday in October, right, Laura? Please mark your calendars, if you can put that in your calendars real quick. The fourth Sunday in October, we're going to be having a dream team meeting, and we're going to be discussing what we should do as a church in regards to the Shemitah year. We're going to decide that as a team. We're going to be meeting on that, right? Put that in your calendar. The fourth dream team meeting. Dream team meeting. The fourth Sunday in October. Yep, it's our, it's our breakout Sunday, so it's that fourth Sunday. Okay? We're going to have it from 9 till 3. We'll provide dinner, yeah, or breakfast, lunch, whatever. Yeah, well, we can add them right now. So we talked about the mysteries hidden in the Hebrew year because every Hebrew letter equals a Hebrew number. And that God speaks to us through these numbers. And I just love this verse of Proverbs 25, 2. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it is the honor of kings to search out a matter. Come on, turn your name and say, neighbor. You are a king. You are a king. You are a king. All right, and even if you're a girl, you're still a king. It says you're a king and a priest. Okay? <laughs> In Colossians 1, 25 and 29, it talks about the greatest mystery, that the greatest mystery of all is Christ. Wherefore, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery, which hath been hidden from the ages, from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery. What is the riches of his glory? That's the key. What is the riches of his glory? Of this mystery among the Gentiles? It's this. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Okay? So when we talked about this calendar earlier and how that all points us back to Christ and it all is kind of a discipleship 
annual pathway. That's the riches of his glory. We want more of his glory. We just press into more of who he is. We surrender to more of who he's calling us to be. And then the glory of God literally fills us. And everywhere we go, we become thermometers and atmosphere changes. We can turn up the heat. Yeah. We can turn down the heat. We can decrease something and it shifts. We can bind something and it's bound. We can lose something and it's loose. We can command something to go and it goes. Not by might nor by power, but by the very glory of God that dwells in us. Okay? So this mystery this, this year, okay? Five, seven, eight, two. James Nesbitt painted this picture. You can see the Hebrew letters there. We've talked about this in the past because we've been in this century for some time. In the Hebrew, this is the age of grace, 5,782. We're in year 5,782. 5,000 is the age of grace. It's grace multiplied a thousand times over. Come on, somebody. Can anybody say Yeshua? Yeshua. That's good, right? Seven is the number of completion, but it also is the number from the eye of God. This is the age of grace, but it's the age of grace where God's eye is upon us to grace us to be able to see like he sees. So he's trying to bring us into more of who he is. He's trying to form Christ in us that hope of glory so we can see things the way that he sees things, okay? Eight is new beginnings, and it's also the word gate. Eighty, okay, because this is 82, 5,782 is where we get pay from. Pay is eight, eight zero, okay? So this is a decade, really, because it's 82, a decade of the mouth. It's a... If your mouth in this decade, in these next eight years, in these really this decade or ten year period or span is the gate through which you will create your future. Okay? So we will go through the gate and be the glory gate and go in the door for what? Two is the number bait in the Hebrew. It's the letter bait. Okay? It's literally Christ's number. This is or Christ's letter. This is Christ's number and letter. And I tell you guys all the time about that first mention of the word love in the Hebrew, Achava, when Abraham takes his son, his one and only son that he loves, all the way up to Mount Moriah. That word love is the first mention of the word love in all of the scriptures. And the, the Hebrew word is Achava. The numerical value of those Hebrew letters is two, two, two. That's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what that's really saying. Love says Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful mystery? So this is an age of grace where God's eye is upon us to grace us to see, to go through the gate, to be a glory gate and or a door to release the voice of his son. It is a strange, strange thing, but the Torah opens the entirety of scriptures. Did you know this? The entirety of scriptures, the very first Hebrew letter in all of the scriptures is a bit. It's a number two. It's Jesus. You would think that it would open with Aleph or the number one, but it doesn't. It opens with two. It opens with Jesus. What does the scripture tell us? No one comes to the Father but by me or through me. He's the gate through which all things must come. He is the one through whom all things are created. 
the book of John tells us in Colossians, and it says that in him all things are created, and from him and to him and through him all things come, and even in him all things are held together. I mean, that's an awesome mystery. Why does the Torah, why the Torah doesn't open with the Aleph or the number one? is interesting to think about. The point is that if the Torah starts with the bet when describing the emergence of the created world, that means the world itself begins with and is contained within the letter bet or within Jesus. We know that because Colossians tells us that. If you read Colossians 1 and 2, it talks all about that. If you read John 1, the book of John, chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Amen? Isn't that good? It's so, the Word is just so perfect. It's so perfect. All right, did I skip something? Yeah, okay. Yeah, some good music. That's okay. So I'm going to end here, but I want to tell you about it. Next week, we're going to talk about, we laid the foundations of why the Hebrew holidays in the first fruit months are so important, okay? Does everybody have a better understanding of that? This resonating a little bit better, okay? This is why we do things the way we do them. This year, maybe a few months ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was on a plane, a very large plane, and we were traveling. I packed all my bags, and I put my bags on the plane. But when the plane landed, we landed in an airport where in a place at a mountaintop where there was a ton of snow. And I'm not talking like the kind of snow that's ankle deep. I'm talking like the snow that comes almost all the way up to your knee. And because it was such a new place to go, we were pioneering such new land. There were no roads. There were no cars. There was no way to get there except to walk. And I was like, geez, Louise. I left my baggage behind at the airport. And I remember, I'm walking up this mountain, and it was really more of a slight hill up to the mountain that had a cave in it. And I'm trudging, I'm trudging, and the snow is just below my knees right here. And someone walks up to me, and I can see the light and the fire in there. They're eating, there's a whole long table set for us to eat. And I'm trudging through the snow, and they go, hey, where are your bags? I said, look, I am not bringing my bags. If you want my bags, you need to go back to the airport and get them. I can barely walk through the snow. And I was mulling that dream over and over in my heart over the last few months. And the Lord brought a scripture to me that surprised me a little bit. I'm like, Lord, what, what is this snow? And it reminded me of the verse uh, that talks about the rain, the word of God being like rain and like snow. It falls to the earth and it does not return to him void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which he sent it. Okay, it waters the earth, and the earth drinks it in. And then I heard a preacher, and it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I immediately remembered this dream. The preacher said, there's a difference between rain and snow. He said, rain is a word that's decreed in a spring season when the ground is thirsty and ready to receive. And it's received immediately and brings forth fruit and waters the seed. Things start to grow away. He said, snow is a sign of a word that's decreed in a cold season when there's a hard heart that you're praying for. 
and it sits on top of the ground and sometimes you've decreed and you've decreed and you've decreed a thing and there's a hardness in the land and it's not yet ready to receive it. He says, but the sun will come up and it'll warm up the land and that snow will start to melt and the land will drink it and the Lord will have his way. But it's just a matter of timing. And in the right time, all those things you've decreed, all those things you've prayed, all those things you've said shall come to pass as the Lord said they will come to pass. But it's a matter of timing. And there's some things we've been decreeing. There's some things maybe you've been praying. There's some things that I've been praying. And I'm just trudging through the decrees of the snow. Hmm. And just like in that dream, we're going to a new place where there are no roads built. We are going into unknown realms because we're telling God, we want you to lead your church. What? He's like, I don't have that anywhere else. Okay. I've never been to another place where they say, Father, this is your body. You are the head of your church. You lead. You tell us what to do. Where there's such liberty and freedom. After we had that round table meeting, they came to me and they said, man, you just really like let people be free. I'm like, well, don't you? The scripture says where there's love, there's liberty. If we're going to do what God wants to do, if we really want him to rule and reign, we have to let go of the reins sometimes. That doesn't mean that we don't bring things full circle. It doesn't mean that we say, hold on, a, don't say, hold on a second. It doesn't mean that we don't explain something weird that happens, right? For the sake of the body to bring it into context. But it does mean that we let him lead, and where there's love, there's liberty. And in that dream, my bags were left back at the airport, and we're coming into a season of this year where we've decreed and declared so many things, and that the snow is thick. You can't be dragging your baggage behind you. That's right. You need to leave it back at the airport. And if somebody points at you and says, where's your bags? You need to say, you know what, if you want that thing, you want that tradition, you want that way that things are always done? You want things the way they were? You go get it, because I'm not carrying it. I'm going to do what God said to do. I'm going to say what God said to say, and I'm going to trust that God's going to glorify his name, because he made me a promise. And you see all this snow? Sunday's coming. And that land is going to heat up, and it's about to drink in all these words from the Lord, and it will bring forth a harvest unlike anything the world has ever seen. But until then, I'm going to take shelter in this cave, with my family. Now I'm going to eat at this table of righteousness set before me in the presence of my enemies. And I'm going to wait on the Lord. And I'm going to enjoy my day. I'm going to stay in the hidden place in the cleft of the rock where I know I'm safe. And I'm just going to watch over those words and I'm going to let them sit there until it's time. Amen. So I want you to just remember the little activation here. Revelation brings responsibility. We looked back at last year and realized, wow, everything Father God told us last year came to pass. We actually needed it to be able to successfully navigate this year without feeling like we were kind of getting caught off guard, amen? So prepare for next week because I'm going to gather together all the prophecies and kind of boil them down to what the prophets are saying this year to help you prepare for this coming year of 5782, okay? And it can be a lot to take in, so I'm going to encourage you, bring your notebook. Listen to the podcast over and over and over again. And as you go through the year and as we go through the first fruits, make sure you're reading those notes that Holly and the Patty are bringing forth so that you can be keeping your eyes on the Lord and pressing into him and coming in closer and closer and closer as we go forward. And you're going to be able to turn around at the end of next year and go, man, Lord, you're 
church, we're growing a long way. This is good. So it's got to be God. Amen? All right, say, Holy Spirit, please reveal to me this week what you want me to rest from doing during the Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.